Hangout Air is on is live. Okay, let's press play here. All right, guys, we are here today. Raymond and Callum. Say hey, Callum. Hey. All right, and we are here today. Today's podcast topic is going to be why you should be shooting manual today. And here we go. We get a little bit of intro music and our logo. Yeah, hey, I like that. <laughs> and we're live. Perfect. Okay, so first things first, last week's podcast. Callum, how'd you feel about it? Awesome. You know, some nerves when we started. You know, first podcast, I'm not a, you know, as Raymond likes to say of himself, but also similar to me, you know, face for radio, um, voice for silent movies. Um, so it was, it was good. Um, I think we had some good tips in there and a good conversation about, you know, how progression really happens. So it was exciting to kind of get that out there and just like, you know, let people know that you're going to get better. Yeah. It's very important to let people know that they're going to get better because once they know that, then they have that mindset and then they're going to let it happen. I heard a quote over, um, last week that, was your perception of reality brings reality to existence. Meaning, if you feel like the rest of the world is awesome and it's fun and everybody is like genuinely a good person, you're going to have those same vibes towards everybody else. You're going to feel like life is good. I like people. They're friendly. This is going to be fantastic. Whereas if you feel like the whole world is against me, I'm no good at photography, I just can't get this whole off-camera flash thing you're doubting yourself, it's just going to be negative, and it's going to be no good. So, like you said, it's always good to be positive, and uh, I think that the episode went really well, too. Awesome. However, last week we were talking about this. I was actually on a juice fast. It was my third day of drinking nothing but juice. Is it over? It's over. It's over. But that day, or during the whole juice fast, my brain was in a bit of a fog, but my body felt fantastic. I just wasn't thinking... Clearly, but now that I've kind of gone back to my old ways of eating, my brain feels more alert, but my body just feels like garbage. So I don't know. There's got to be awesome. a happy medium in there somewhere. You look good, find. so that's the important yeah. part right now. Well, you can only see the shoulders up. That's why. Well, you know, that's why I keep the monitor up here. You know? <laughs> you know? mm. Today we have some awesome, awesome topics, um, and we have an awesome photo to show you as well. So I hope you guys are excited. Raymond, do you want to throw us into the, the topic for the afternoon? Yeah, of course. So like we said earlier, uh, this whole podcast is going to be all about shooting manual and why it's so important and why it's going to take your photography to the next level. So I'm going to start off with a bit of a story, and I think Callum has one as well. When I first started, um, my background, as some of you know, is in film. So on film sets, the cameras, they're full manual. Everything is manual. There's no... There's even no autofocus on the cameras. There's somebody whose dedicated job it is to changing the focus on the lens while you're shooting. It's a very hard job. Um, But just to show that everything is manual, especially when it comes to film, like you pre-decide your ISO essentially because you can't change film speed while it's in there, right? So I had to learn how to shoot completely manual. And that's just kind of um, um, how I brought my um my skill set into photography i just continued to shoot manual all the time 
But when I started shooting weddings, uh, I got I got kind of scared. I second guessed myself, and I thought, you know what, she has to be on the safe side. I'm going to shoot in aperture priority. Uh, therefore, I know that the camera is hopefully going to make some smart decisions when it comes to metering, and I'm just not going to miss any shots. And when you're beginning, you don't really know the flow of the day. You don't know, you know, what happens next, or just kind of the natural progression of things. So. Uh, shooting in aperture priority, it does help. It helped me, and I got some great shots. But I found out that when I got home and I went to go call through my photos, there was a lot of tiny variations in, in all the photos. And those tiny variations, I didn't like. It was harder for me to control the camera and get exactly what I wanted out of it. So I almost decided immediately, you know, I'm just going to shoot manual always, and if I miss a shot, it's better to miss one shot than it is to make sure that the, the wedding as a whole is exactly as you want to capture it. Does that make any sense to you, Cal? No, that makes absolute sense. Yeah. Um, this is very similar, um, not so much in weddings, but when I first started taking photography a bit more seriously, uh, my, fian- my fiance now, but my girlfriend at the time, uh, Catherine, who's in the other room probably secretly listening to me. Um, we were backpacking through Europe, um, and I was shooting on at the time, I believe, actually, I think it's like just decommissioned up on my uh, shelf there, but it was just a D90. Um, and D90 was a, is, is still a very good camera, you know, for the time. And I was going, I think I took a 50 mil lens with me. That's all I took through Europe, a 50 mil on a crop sensor. But I was shooting aperture priority mode. And as I'm walking through the streets, you go from sunny to being in complete dark shade. And what would happen is, is I'd be shooting someone in complete sun, like, you know, blasting in the face, sun right on them. And my camera would compensate for that. And I'd have a, a fairly exposed image with completely dark background. I walk into the shade and then there would be a completely kind of very low contrast, very bright scene of someone with a very bright uh, wall all at the same time. And that's only because the aperture priority mode in the camera didn't really get what I wanted to see. I saw something and the camera shot something else just because of the way the metering system works. And I think this is probably very similar to what was going on with you in the weddings, Raymond. But um, I'd get back after a day, we'd sit back with the, you know, if we were in France, we'd have a glass of wine. I'd run through some photos that we thought were cool from the day. I'd be very frustrated because there was no consistency to what I wanted. Um, I was shooting all, at the same aperture, but it was all over the place. Um, and I think that's kind of what you were saying with your weddings. Yeah, exactly. That's the big thing is that, for one, there's no consistency. And for two, when you let the camera decide what uh, it thinks is a proper exposure, doesn't always mean that it's going to be good or or what you see. Or what you see. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And a lot of the times it's not – it's it's exposed properly, obviously, because that's the, – the camera's one job is to expose properly. But there's a lot of times where you don't want it to expose properly. Um, you purposely Absolutely. overexpose or you purposely underexpose maybe to get a uh, more of a silhouette. And it's when, when you're in aperture priority mode, um, I guess we should talk – about what aperture priority mode is now that I think about it. Yeah, very um, briefly we could. Um, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk about it. Yeah, so let's uh let's do this. Um I'll take this 
this might be actually very hard for someone to see. We'll see how it looks. If not, I can explain it a different way. But I've got an old 35mm lens here. Hey, it is Raymond here from the future. What you are listening to is an episode of the Beginner Photography Podcast recorded back in 2015. As you can tell, audio has come a long way since then. Now, in the early days of the episode, we had this great idea that the podcast would be on YouTube and that there'd be this visual element to it for people to come see. And I don't know what we were thinking. It's a podcast. People listen to it in their ears. However, there are things that we discussed today uh, that we reference seeing. Um, so I have made it easy for you to be able to do so without spending you know, an hour of your life watching a YouTube video. You can check out the show notes for this episode where I'm going to have screen grabs of everything that we talk about in today's episode so that you can see for yourself. Now, if you would like to head over to the show notes of this episode, you can do so by heading over to beginnerphotopod.com forward slash 002. Again, that is beginnerphotopod.com forward slash 002. Now, in this episode, I'm going to be chiming in every once in a while with a little bit of extra information now that time has gone on and things have changed and and things have updated. So with that, let's just go ahead and get on into uh, this episode of the Beginner Photography Podcast. Um, and I'm going to open it wall right up. This is the old, If can everyone see this? Is it a little dark? A little 35, uh, no, I can see just fine. 35 F2 there. Yeah. So, you know, I use this for a long time, but so this only opens up to F2, and what the F2 stands for is that hole right there. So the lens can open up that big, and that's considered F2 to the, this lens. Um, so you can see it on the other side. You know, it's quite a large opening. Um, and what all that means is that there is tiny little blades inside, and they control how much light and how much depth of field you have. Those are the only two major functions um, of this. So can everyone see that? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can see it perfectly. It looks Perfect. great. Perfect. I'm kind of looking through the hole, so I'm not really sure where I'm <laughs> pointing this at. No, and we can see you upside down and perfect. <laughs> perfect. So what you're seeing there is a kind of a change between all these different f-stop numbers. So the lesson learned there is as you open it up to f2, you let in a lot of light. And as you close it down, not a lot of light. That's, uh, what is that, F22 right there, if you can even see the hole. It's a pinpoint. Yeah, it's a pinpoint. So that's essentially what aperture priority mode is. Um, if you set to A on Nikon, Canons, is it A as well? No, it's, um, it's AV. AV. I'm a Nikon. Raymond's a Canon, so that's helpful. Um, if you set it to either of those, the camera, you're going to tell the camera what hole size you want so what aperture setting meaning how much light you want to come into the lens yeah so f2 all the way to f22 you can shoot at anything you want but the camera instinctually will take all the other settings so that's your shutter speed and your iso range and it will automatically assess for that and make a perfect exposure based on the hole size or the aperture stop that you want um, and that's kind of the same thing that happens for shutter speed uh, shutter priority mode as well Right, right. So essentially what's happening is that because your aperture defines how much light is let in and your depth of field, you're letting the camera decide everything else. You're letting the camera decide, you know what, my most important aspect of this photo is going to be the depth of field, essentially. Sure. You can decide everything else that you want to. 
And what it's going to decide is based on what is exposed properly. So, you know, when you look through the viewfinder and uh, down at the bottom, or maybe an icon, I think it's off to the side. Uh, you can set it, but it's at the bottom too, the, the meter. Okay, perfect. You see, like, it's, uh, I think it goes from plus two, plus one, zero, plus one, and then plus two. And that's the exposure. It's naturally going to go to zero, which means that there's no compensation. It's perfectly exposed. It yep. doesn't need plus a stop, and it doesn't need minus a stop of light. Yeah, what you're focusing on is perfectly exposed. Right, right. And then it's your job. There's more control in aperture priority. You can tell it, you know, if you want more light, you can allow it. Or if you want less light, you can allow it as well. But by default, it's going to decide for you. So here's why aperture priority is awesome. And at the same time, um, why manual sucks which sounds exactly backwards of what the point of this uh, podcast is about. But for that first wedding that I shot, I was in uh, aperture priority mode, obviously, and we were outside and I was just taking a free few portraits, right? And the portraits looked good. It looked fantastic. I, I mean, it was a pretty moderate ISO, ISO maybe, you know, 400 or something like that. My shutter speed, I think it was pretty high because we were outside, but I set my uh, aperture to an F2, so when I walked inside after we were done with the portraits, um, I just continued to keep shooting. I didn't have to change any settings. My ISO, it was okay. I mean, there was some window light that came in, so it was properly exposed. But it, the camera decided, you know what? We're going to go from a shutter speed of 32 hundredths of a second, maybe down to 1 60th of a second to compensate for that amount of light. And I didn't miss any shots. Nothing really happened, but I didn't miss it. I didn't have to do anything to get the shots. Now, my next wedding, now let's see if this makes sense. I was shooting manual because I decided, you know what? I'm going to decide exactly what I want to shoot. So I was in manual. We were outside. Exact same situation. I was taking bridal portraits. Everything looked good. ISO, say, 400, 1, of a second at uh, F2. Taking photos, it looked good. And then we went back into a very dark church. There was no window light. It was a very dark church. And the bride saw her grandma, who she hadn't seen in years, for the first time. And she ran over to the grandma, and they started hugging. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is great. I'm just taking all these photos. This is so fantastic. I cannot wait. She's going to love these photos. And then when the moment was done, I looked at the back of my camera, and my settings were still all the same. It was still ISO 400, 132 hundredths of a second at F2. Meaning that these photos were now like seven or eight or more stops underexposed. Almost Couldn't, pitch black. Pitch black. Couldn't be saved. The moment was gone forever. I missed it. I lost it. Okay. And that's one reason why aperture priority is awesome. But... Now you can kind of figure out the flow of the wedding. Now you can't really figure out when unexpected guests are going to show up, but you have this idea now that you know that if you're from outside and that you're going inside, maybe while you're walking towards the door, you can just kind of turn that dial or knob or whatever it is for whatever camera system that you're using just to bring down the shutter speed, just to save yourself in case something happens when you get in. Now, Say you see another grandma who you haven't seen or that the bride hasn't seen in years, and then they go to embrace. Now just simply 
turning down your shutter speed while walking towards the door, now maybe they're only going to be three stops underexposed. My doorbell just rang. I'm sorry about that. Give me one second, okay? Okay. Sorry about that. I have to go lock the door so that my two-year-old doesn't uh, run away and start a new life somewhere. That could be risky. You know. It could. It could. I don't think that my wife would be too happy if uh, she came home and he was gone. So, At minimum on the couch, for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. So where were we? So, yeah, I was just saying that, um, you know, there is, there is a really good argument there, it sounds like, for aperture priority shooting. And while that, you know, can be the case in some situations, it is advantageous, um, manual, shooting in manual mode um, sounds really daunting and scary. Like, all your images are going to come out black, or all, their, all of them are going to come out completely white. You're, it's not going to happen. Not, not for long. You know, even I went through manual mode situations where I would shoot something just like Raymond did in a church and black on the back of the camera. Six stops underexposed. You're like, great, awesome. And you move on and you'll get better. You'll understand how the correlation between aperture, shutter, and ISO settings on your camera actually affect each other. Um, And shooting in manual allows you to have more creative control over your images Um, whether in your living room with your kids or out shooting friends and family in a park. There are even professionals that will shoot manually 100% of the time and purposefully underexpose three stops. Just to to throw one out there is Sam Hurd. He does this all the time on his Nikon gear simply to be able to bring the dynamic range back up. And that's a conversation for another day. Oh, yes. (laughs) But, But the point remains is manual mode just gives you more control. Um, and I think it's really important that we get across to you that it can be scary for the first few weeks, but if you just sit there for a half an hour while your kids are playing with their Lego on the floor and just see what happens when you change different settings between your shutter speed, your aperture, and your ISO, you're going to quickly understand what's happening when you, when you change one, one piece of the puzzle. Yeah, that's, that's very good. That's a very good point. Um, in fact, I have a, an example here. Um, okay. So this was actually just to show that, you know, even, um, people who have been shooting a manual for a long time can still, what am I trying to say? This is, um, expecting what's going to happen. Okay. So let's see if I can share this real quick. So let me give you a little backstory. The bride and groom uh, just got married. They just said their I do's and now they're walking out of the church and they're walking or they they walked out of their church and there's this long um, overhang hallway outside, I guess. Everybody's yay, waving flags and whatnot. And then they get into their car. Okay, so I knew that they were going to walk down the, this little outside hallway, right? But I knew that they were going to walk into their car. So I purposely like underexposed this photo about a stop because I knew that once they got to their car, it was just going to be blown out because they were no longer under this um, um, awning essentially. Okay. So this is when they got to their car. Right. And it's not a good photo, but this is just, this isn't what I'm delivering to them. This is just for educational purposes. Right. So it looks good. Right.
Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step. And the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. Yeah, that looks I mean, funny. That right. looks, you know, Blow Note Sky, which is actually okay. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. Or is it? Is it <laughs> I'm looking at something different? This is the edited photo. Okay. This is the before. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. So you can see that the settings are still exactly the same. An 80th oh, of yeah. a second at F4. And this is actually brought up a stop. So I underexposed this. Perfect. Okay, yeah, I see what's going on here. Because I knew that by the time I got out here, I wanted a few extra stops of, um, of latitude, yeah. if that makes sense. So this is how it looked straight out of the camera. Sure. And as you can see off to the side there, I had to bring it down to and two thirds of a stop to bring it to, uh, to what this is right here. And this continued to happen. Same with this photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with this photo, same with this photo. And then it wasn't until this one that I got to actually um, dial it down a little bit. This one's only a stop and three quarters under. And then this one is straight out of camera. Yeah, cool. So, so this was like a very high energy type moment, right? People are walking out, they're all excited, and then they're getting into their car. There's really not a lot of time for you to change your settings. But this comes into planning for what's going to happen and going ahead and just preparing for it and knowing how to use your camera to achieve what it is that you want to achieve. So I shot those in manual to save myself. If I was an aperture priority, I might have, it, it probably would have been better exposed. But with that highlighted um, sky, it might have even been underexposed. Who knows? It might have been really underexposed. Or I might have picked something in the background to expose with, depending yeah. on where Raymond was focusing. Or metering. Um, or metering. Yeah. And you, you can do, you can, pra like Raymond was doing here was kind of pre, pre planning for the shots in the car, which is really awesome. And this is something you can do in a park anywhere when you're taking photographs is kind of go where we're going from sunlight to shade, shade to sunlight. And you can kind of just take a guess, go ahead and take a guess. Like you're not going to, there's nothing to lose. Just take a guess at what you think the ISO should change to, or your shutter speed should change to and go for it. Um, and that's the best way to learn. You're going to learn the best just by trial and error. Um, yeah, that, that's all I would, I would add to that. No, that's totally true. The only way that you can learn is by doing. Um, you can read every single book that there is to know about photography. And if you don't know, if you can't see how the examples change in the camera by you changing them, then it might not connect. I know that I could, I could read everything in the world about everything and still not know how to do any of it. I'm very hands-on. Um, and I think that a lot of creatives are, is, I don't know if it's the same for you, Callum. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely not someone who, who sat well in school. 
Right. Um, you know, I did fine, but um, I'm definitely someone who has to pick something up and and do it and and see what's actually changing when I when I pick up my camera um, and I go okay from one thing to the other. I need to know what's happening um, and see the physical change on my histogram or what the image how how much darker or how much brighter it gets. Um, yeah. And that's something that a lot of beginners do. That's something that a lot of beginners do. You know, they, they, um, and I've talked about this before. They lust after like all this pro gear. They read about all the reviews. They um, research the absolute best lenses. They look at photos taken with, you know, these lenses that they just um, lust over. They finally get it, and then they go to take these photos, and um, well, they're just okay photos because they don't know how to um, utilize the gear that they have. It's because they just don't have the experience. Absolutely. So you can have just garbage equipment and the more experience that you get, your photos are going to get better. Totally. And this is, I think actually going to be a conversation for maybe the next or, you know, one of the upcoming podcasts we have um, kind of in the go, but I, I guess maybe I should 30 seconds, just show you guys like this lens here is uh, it's a 1990s or eighties Tamron 90 mil F 2.8 macro. Um, I picked this thing up for maybe all of $150 from 150 Canadian, but that's what I pay, um, used. And it's got like a little crack in the screen there. If you guys can see that. Oh yeah. But, uh, I'll be honest with you. I use it every time I need to do anything macro. Um, so, I mean, I, I used to use this one I showed you earlier, the F two thirty five, which isn't considered pro gear by any sense anymore. Um, I do have the new Sigma 35, but you know, your gear is not holding you back yeah. by any sense. Um, it, it's really what you understand about your cameras and your what you can do with light. Um, so I just kind of I want to motivate you to not be so worried about the new hot Canon or Nikon body or lenses coming out there. Yeah, exactly. And it's important to know that pros buy professional equipment for several reasons. One of them could be that they need that extra stop of shutter speed um, to go up to one eight thousandth of a second. The other might be that they go on a lot of adventures and their gear just takes a lot of hits and having a body that's made out of aluminum is better than plastic. Yeah, um, absolutely. The sensors inside maybe don't change all that much. Like um, I picked up a little uh, Canon 70D um, for, you know, just in case to do a little bit of video stuff but it has a crop sensor inside. It has the same crop sensor that's inside of a, uh, like, I think it's a Canon T6i or something. Yeah, the new new C6s, yeah. Yeah, it's like $600 cheaper. The only pro to this is it's got just a better construction. And um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's really <laughs> it. I mean, it can take more hits, basically. The body yeah. isn't made out of pure plastic, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to get any better photos out of it because it's the sensor that matters. Right. Yeah, no. And I think that's really important as well to note that, you know, besides there's not a lot of like sensors are good, but professionals were shooting with, the, you know, some really what we consider bad technology only, you know, five, six years ago, but it was mind blowing to see at the time. So, I mean, don't think that you need to have a D4, D4S, Mark 5. Is it the 5D3 that you guys currently have on Canon? Mm -hmm. um, just to be able to take good photos. There's people taking great photos with iPhones now. So, 
Hey, Raymond here, and it is so funny listening to this because, you know, today the 5D Mark III, the Canon 5D Mark III, is considered old technology. You know, uh, from a video standpoint, it didn't shoot in 4K. There were no, uh, there was no video autofocus. It still used CF cards. In fact, the 5D Mark IV, which obviously came after the 5D Mark III, has also been replaced by Canon's new mirrorless RF systems. Uh, but when this was originally recorded, it's funny because I had a 5D Mark III, and it really felt like being on the bleeding edge of photographic technology. And, you know, it's it's today, there's really no practical reason that a professional photographer would shoot with a 5D Mark III. So again, I think the the idea that we're getting at here is to not worry about gear because when this was recorded, I had the top of the line gear. I was able to capture great photos, but now it's old. So even though we're looking at, you know, quote unquote old cameras today, you're still able to achieve amazing images because it's not about the camera. It really is. Think about this. Every camera that has ever came out has been at the cusp of some sort of like digital technology at some point, right? So even if a camera came out five years ago, you know, like the 5D Mark III, it's actually way longer than five years ago. But at the time, bleeding edge of technology, today, not so much. But because it was back then, we're still able to create these amazing images. And it's not because of the camera itself, but it's because of your camera settings. Because camera settings won't change. And not only that, they, can, they can't change. It's, it's a physical attribute to the image that you are capturing. So uh, if you know how to shoot manual on one camera, you're going to know how to shoot in manual on every camera. Now, if you have any questions about camera settings, I have a free download for you called Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It is a, it's a free guide, uh, a cheat sheet, if you will, that you can download over at the show notes of this episode over at beginnerphotopod.com forward slash zero zero two. Uh, again, you can see some of the images that we're talking about in this episode and then also grab that uh, per- Picture Perfect Camera Settings cheat sheet for yourself and start to take better photos today. Let's go ahead and get back on into today's interview. What I'm trying to say there is, you know, you see something great and you should just, you should try and really bring out that inherent quality. If it's great sunlight or if it's great, um, I kind of lost my train of thought. Great sunlight. It, you want to just capture that great image and really that gear is not going to hold you back at all. Yeah. It's knowing your settings. It's knowing how to work your camera. That's going to get you the best results. That's another thing about this camera, I guess, now that I think about it is that, the um, like the T6i or or whatever the entry top entry level camera is on the back here. Like there's this dial for the 70D that lets me change um, my aperture. Right. So when I'm in the back of the camera like this, looking through it, imagine my thumb is right there, and I could just boop 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 change it, and then my shutter speed is right here. So at any moment I can change my shutter speed and my aperture. Whereas the uh, like entry level cameras. I think you have to like press a button and yeah. then like press a dial next to it or something. So it just takes a little more time. Same on the entry level Nikons. Now you'll have to press a button to show up on the LCD to change. Okay. Um, yeah. It just slows you down a little bit from the moment. It's um, because those cameras are geared kind of more towards a few of the automatic settings like aperture priority or Whereas, program mode or program, which, mode, which is yeah. P in Nikon. I think it's what T is it? Uh, I guess it's P in can I see a P on the camera. I guess it's yeah. that. I don't know. I've never I shot never, it. 
I never even look at those settings. I just kind of move on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically when I got into it, I just went straight manual and um, I never really, never really tried anything else out. But, um, you know, another pro to shooting in manual is just the editing time, how much time it's going to save you there. Because if you're shooting all in one room where the girls are getting ready and basically your settings just don't change. It has the same light. You're, you know, nothing really changes. When you get back home and call through and pick out all those photos, you can edit one photo, one photo from that. Get it looking good, maybe change the white balance, um, whatever attributes you apply to these photos. You do it to just one. And then you can select all of the photos that happened in that same room. Yes. And as long as your settings didn't really change, you can just batch all the settings across those photos. So now maybe if there was 20 or 30 photos, that would take you... 20 minutes worth of editing that you now got done in about 45 seconds. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I think we should probably move on from this conversation though. I think we've not to say that we've, you know, kicked the dead horse. Um, but we should probably show a pretty amazing photo that we found on Reddit. Um, we yes. wanted to show off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, this is kind of a segment to where we're going to show off your work. Um, so a lot of the times we're going to show off our stuff just as examples, but we want to showcase your work. We want to give you credit because we see a lot of awesome photos and I'm sure that you do too. Um, but today's photo, let's see, Callum, are you going to share this one? Um, I can, let me just, before I pull it up there, let me, um, I just want to pull up who it is to make sure I'm going to credit right. Cause we're also going to see if we can reach out to them. And either get, you know, some insight into this shot or even pull them on the podcast um, to talk about this shot. Because it's actually, I really like this one. Um, I'm, I'm a bit soft for black and white, so it's... Um, Another reason to switch to Fuji. Ooh, Raymond. Okay, so let me actually figure out how I'm going to get you... Uh, sometimes I forget how to do screen shares. So there we go. Okay, desktop... Start screen share. Everyone can see Raymond on my screen. Hey! But now can you see this photo? Oh, yes. Yeah, so this is a great photo. Nice black and white. Um, very foggy day. Leading lines are very cool. Um, coming from the bottom and kind of just disappearing into almost the center of the image. And we've got this kind of subject on a bike who's just kind of doing their thing. Yeah, um, it's it's a really cool photo. I like uh, I like that reflection kind of that I didn't notice the first time that I looked at it, but you can see the uh, cyclist reflection uh, exactly. down at the bottom, which is really interesting. Which I don't know if you'd be able to see it anywhere else, or if that's just um, a product of where the sun is in relation to where he is. Yeah, well, the sun's definitely um, in front of the bike there, mm -hmm. um, so you do get kind of that little bit of atmosphere where. You can see that you can tell that the sun's on the other side of this fog, um, but where it is, you're not really sure. It's just a really neat black and white. I think it's there's a good minimalist element to it. And what's really interesting about this is I want to credit right now. I'm going to flip over. I'm going to take off screen share just for a real quick second. Goodbye, everybody. I'm off screen share. I'm not really sure. Yep. Um, this was actually shot by user. Uh, shark DP on Reddit uh, in the photo critique uh, subreddit. Um, and just so you're aware, and I'll pull the photo back up. He shot this on an 18 to 55 kit lens. Uh, he's oh, wow. it. 
on a Nikon D32. Wow, a D. Uh, wow, I don't even know what that means in Canada's uh, world, but D3200. Okay, I usually so drop the two last. Very, very entry level, right? Yeah, that's one of Nikon's kind of most entry level cameras. It's kind of at the bottom of the range. Um, and the kit lens 1855 is, is, I guess what you would consider a, a lens that is, you know, it has plastic elements to it. Um, I think it's all plastic. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. I don't, I'll be honest. I barely pay attention to those things. Right. Um, but I think it is, I think it's all plastic or most of the elements inside are plastic just to keep down weight and obviously cost. But speaking to that, a D3200 with an 18 to 55 kit lens has taken this photo. Um, and just to give you an idea of the settings, it was in, I think you're going to be able to see onto my screen, F11 at 1 250th of a second at ISO 400. Yeah, and that's what really shocked me is that yeah. um, when I first saw the photo, the first thing that I thought of wasn't, oh, it's, it's a cheap lens, it's a beginner photographer, cheap camera. What first got me was that it was shot at f11, and I guess I'm kind of still in the mindset that a lot of beginners are, is that if you spend a lot of money on a lens, you're going to play to its advantages and try to shoot as wide open as possible. Now, yeah. you have a cheap kit lens, you're going to want to shoot it as wide open as possible too just to give you any sort of depth of field. But he went the uh, space DP, right? Uh, shark DP. Shark DP. User shark DP on Reddit. He went the opposite way on it. And he played to this lens's advantage by, you know what? I'm not going to trick anybody at shooting this at a 3.5. I'm going straight to 11. And that amount of depth of field, ugh, it's I mean, perfect. It's perfect. It's forever because you know why? It's the lines. Yeah, you see the the, the bridge. I believe that's a bridge. Um, I, it can't not be a bridge, I think. <laughs> um, you can see the sharpness run all the way through. Probably that's about 20, 40, 60. You can probably see about 80 feet into the bridge before it disappears. Um, and it's beautiful. Absolutely. At F11. He still shot it at a fast shutter speed, 320th, which froze that person. At um, 1250. 1250th. Is that what it was? So, yeah. Yeah, 12, yeah, 1250. You're right. At F11. Um, so it's great. It's, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. So I would like to clap for that. There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices, and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com and... 
As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. Good job, Shark DP. Good job, Shark. Yeah, this looks like one of those, uh, you know, great examples of street photography where I doubt that he knows that person. I doubt that you could ever just be like, hey, you know what? Just go ahead and ride your bike right there. Right there. That's what I want to see. And then capture that. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that was a shot we really wanted to share that we saw recently. I don't even think it went up too long ago. I think it went up only like almost two days ago or a day ago. Um, it was about I, think and that, half. I think that we should challenge our listeners, and I'm going to do this too. Callum, I hope that you will too. Okay. Shoot at F11. We're going to try that. Maybe maybe not F11, but uh, a much higher F-stop than you would typically. I know that I stop love to down. stay – stop down. Stop, hashtag stop down. I like it. I like to shoot at 2.8 or below just because I love that creamy depth of field, especially because I switched uh, – to uh, Fuji, and they have the crop sensors, but having that beautiful 1.2 on there really, um, really doesn't make you think, oh, this is a crop sensor right. photo. But right. shooting, this photo makes me want to shoot, makes me want to stop down. So, shoot at 11? Yes. We're going to okay. shoot at a very shallow? No. Narrow? Mm-hmm. Not narrow. Wide depth of field. Let's let let's let's let Raymond struggle. We're gonna stop down. Collective viewers, (laughs) even professionals, don't know their terminology from time to time. You know, Um, I've only had one cup of coffee today. Stop down this week and take your shot. Um, Try and be somewhere around maybe let's say f eight to f whatever as as down as you want to go. and yeah, we'll try and highlight uh, some people that we see next week. I think it just started eight. Started start, eight. Started eight and work work it down to to what F sixteen maybe something like that. Sure. Twenty two. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Because I know that nobody out there has a lens that is that its fastest speed is F eight. The fastest or the slowest I think most people have is a five six, and that's going to be with a kit lens. So take yeah. it down another stop. Take it down to eight or above. And start there. Start there. I'm going to work a lot this weekend to try to get an awesome photo. Because remember, the thing to focus on is lines or isolation. Um, In that photo, there was a lot of, you know, fog. But what's really important is the lines of that fence, the lines that take you in because it draws you right to the cyclist. Now, you might want to try something where – Maybe somebody's on um, the crest of a hill and they're just silhouetted by the sky behind them. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, play, play to its advantages. You know that it's going to be a super um, – that everything is going to be in focus. So play to that. All right. Raymond here again. I know that this episode was from 2015, but if you are listening today and you decide to participate to and stop down to F8, I would still love to see your photos. This is one of the most fun things about being a podcast host is seeing photos from listeners like yourself. Uh, and in fact, today we have a very active community of fellow listeners who are new to photography, just like yourself. 
and that community is on Facebook. So I'm going to have a link if you want to join the Beginner Photography Podcast community, again, in the show notes of this episode. So again, if you want to join the community, the free community on Facebook, just head over to beginnerphotopod.com forward slash 002 to see photos from this episode. Grab your copy of Picture Perfect Camera Settings, uh, Cheat Sheet, and join the safest place on the internet for new photographers. Yeah, absolutely. And and see what happens. We'll we'll take a look uh, before our next podcast here and try and highlight some of those on the podcast and reach out to you guys. Yes. Go. I'm gonna have one. Callum's gonna have one. I'm gonna have one. I'm gonna I I'm going to a wedding tomorrow, so I'm gonna maybe I'll even try and get a wedding one. Uh, and I'll see if I can pull it off in the moment. I'll I'll kind of pre plan maybe a little bit. I like it. I like it. So we're gonna hashtag this stop down. Should it be stop down and continue with the hashtag your next stop, your next shot? Your next shot. Remember that was that was our hashtag down. last week, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Your next shot. I like it. Hashtag yeah. your next shot. And hashtag, hashtag stop, stop down. down. Why not? Two. Two hashtags. Why today. not? Let's do it. Okay. I like it. Callum, this was another awesome episode. We talked about why shooting a manual is so important. We also talked a little bit about why it sounds like aperture priority is a good idea, but it's not. You really, yeah. And I mean, and in the same vein, shutter priority, um, which we didn't really go into today. Um, but, you know, they do give you some advantages, but on the whole, to, I think grow as a photographer and get a night and get a good, you know, can do this in your sleep understanding of your camera. Just, just dive into the water and just go manual. Um, and shoot manual as much as you can. So you understand what's happening in all those three different compartments of your camera. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then there might be sometimes you do need to go back to shutter speed because you don't care about the aperture so much. You care about freezing your dog. Um, and you'll let the aperture sort itself out. Yeah, that's a good but, one too. But manual does let you – it just helps you advance and learn just much quicker. I think you'll, it's trial by fire almost. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? A lot of us have kids. A lot of us have pets. Try it out there. Shoot manual with the kids. Shoot manual with your pets. Shoot manual around the house. If you're still not comfortable on maybe paid gigs that you have, maybe a photo shoot with a friend's family or something like that, resort back to what it is that you're most comfortable with. And then when you come home, Manual, 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 because you're going to get to the point to where you're most comfortable with that. You're going to see something new that you couldn't have got with Aperture Priority. And then take a leap of faith. Maybe give away a free photo shoot to a family and shoot that all in manual, because then there's going to be no expectations. You're not going to be out the hook on cash or anything. Just let them know that you're experimenting with something new and uh, see how it goes. If anything else, you're going to have maybe some new work for your portfolio to show, hopefully. And um, just give it a shot. Yeah, I'm going to leave with one last tip. And Seriously. this is what I did when I was backpacking, when I was like completely brand new. I had no clue what I was doing. I was shooting aperture priority mode. I was trying to transition a little bit to manual. But what I did was I would shoot in manual and I'd look at it and go, oh, this is like so dark. This is really black or it's super bright. And what I would do is I'd flip to aperture priority mode just very quickly and go, what did my camera decide? And he goes, oh, okay, F8 at one four hundredth of a second at ISO 100. I would flip back to manual, dial in those settings, and take some shots, and then just see what happens as I move into different spaces and try and sort out the changes in light from that initial setting that my camera set. 
That's a great idea. Yeah, that's a really good, I wish that I would. You know what I did? I carried around a light meter when I first shot manual. I was like, let me see what I should be getting here. But the cameras have built-in uh, meters. That's a much better idea, Callum. I like that a lot. Yeah, go out and shoot. And if you, you, know, you move from a shady room to one with tons of sunlight, just see what's happening in your meter. And if it says it's two, ex- two stops overexposed, stop down to F8, hashtag next shot. Um, or bring your ISO down, or, you know, bring your shutter speed up or faster. Depending um, on what you want your photo to look like and how you want those attributes to affect your image. Absolutely. If, if you screw up, well, no big deal. Just pop it in aperture, see what the camera thinks. You know, it'll give you a rough idea, and then flip back. Try it again, and you'll keep learning. Immersion. Immersion. Just put yourself in that world. Exactly. And do your best. I know that you can do it. I know that you want to do it. That's the best way to grow. And that's what we're all here for. If you're listening to this podcast, you want to grow your skills. And we want to help you grow your skills. Oh, hey, Charlie. How are you? On that note, I'm signing off to turn on some bubble guppies for this kid. All right, Callum? I think we did great today.